Hello and welcome to the Raising Men Show. Tuesdays, you know how we do it. You know how we do it. It's Tuesday. I love Tuesday. In fact, I'm even really, really excited about today's show. The topic is something that's near and dear to my heart, something that's been tugging on me for a little while, and I've been listening to what the Lord is kind of preparing in my heart to say and to share and to go from there and kind of all those ring, all those ways around. And this is week nine of Teachable Moments, and it's really given me a lot to think about just this week and just in preparing. I've been uh, talking and sharing with a good friend of mine, Michelle Walker-Wade. She and I, she's been a guest of mine on my other show, The Craig Carlisle Show, and we were really going around with this, with this thing, and I, I was talking to her, and I said, hey, I'm in week nine of Teachable Moments, the series right here in WKBY, 1080 AM, and out of Chatham, Virginia. What up, Chatham? How you all doing? And I'm very excited that you all are listening to the show, that you all are responding, and really kind of getting behind this thing. Today's topic is called Masquerade Ball. And when I was talking to, you know, talking with Michelle, just kind of just brainstorming about this show. So I have to, I told her I would make sure I cited her on here because I have to give her recognition for helping, you know, really kind of shape this thing. <clears throat> Excuse me, I know I was going to get water the last time I started this, but we're going to keep on pressing anyway. Masquerade Ball. When you think of a masquerade ball, you think of, of course, masks, right? You think of something maybe more of a medieval time-ish kind of thing, more of a, you know, more of an English kind of a setting where you're watching people in kind of, you know, formal attire and gowns and even having more of a, a, a French aspect to it as well. And you can have these real fancy ornate masks. And even down in, in New Orleans, there was a lot of those kind of masks going on for the fancy parts of the, the French Quarter and to being able to have this masquerade ball and everybody kind of have this persona that they wanted to kind of live behind and get behind and, and show other people, if nothing else, but for just that one night. And I thought it was interesting because when you really think about masquerade balls and you're really finding a mask that fits your personality, finding something that you can really kind of connect to and you're like, ooh, I like that one. That kind of, that's, that's me right there. I can, I can kind of rock that. I can kind of get real right behind this one and just put it on and you take on a different aura and a different persona and you kind of have a little bit more of a swag and in, in some cases a little bit more of a sexy kind of feeling feel kind of some kind of way about yourself when you're you know dressing up in this mask and no one really knows who you are on the inside behind that mask and but you really think about it that's how we live our lives nobody really knows who the real us is behind the mask that we portray there's not many people in our lives that we actually show the real us to who, in, in when I was you know talking with, with Michelle, we, we came out that there's four different masks that people wear, at least four. <clears throat> and I've I've read this book before, you know it's very it seems to be very popular among the Fortune 500 companies, or at least it did back in the day. It was called Situational Leadership. And when you really find out kind of behind that, it actually has an application here and in everyone's lives, even for those who don't who may have never read the book before. But we have like situational faces because we seem to give a different face for the different situations and different people that we deal with. And we don't really often show what's really on the inside. What, we, what are we really feeling? And I think I know for me, I do it a lot because for one, I've found that. Since the time I lost my wife, not many people really, really wanted to hear how I was doing. In fact, I, I have shied away from the term, you know, a salutation. How are you doing? You know, and how's it going? Because so often I found that people really don't want to know how we're doing, how I was feeling. And, and if you really did stop and tell someone 
the truth of how you were feeling when they asked you, I'm not even sure they really wanted to know. You would kind of get a real blank stare in some cases like, oh, I don't really have time for that. I didn't really, I didn't ask you how you were doing to hear all that. I just asked you how you doing because that was the thing to say. That's what you say, right? You don't, you don't expect the response to be the truth. You, you expect the response to be, oh, I'm fine. You know, church fine in a wave. Maybe you get a hug or something, something else superficial because we really don't spend any time in this modern modern community, modern era, modern family of really getting to know people, really getting behind the surface, really challenging people. We, we don't really spend a lot of time making lifelong commitments and connecting with people. We really don't spend the time because in a lot of cases, we really don't want anybody to know how we're really doing and what we're really doing and those kind of things that are going on. Okay, all right, I'm gonna slow down. I know you guys, those who've been following with the show, rolling with me for the last couple of years, you know I love music. You know I love lyrics. So today, I, I put my favorite artist of all time, George Benson. Yeah, yeah, you probably already know. Those who know who, who are following with me, uh, the song today is Masquerade. The song is easy. So here's some of the lyrics because it fits. Now, okay, now, okay granted, we're, we're going to go back. George Benson's song Masquerade actually was released in 1976. But not many of us know. In fact, I, I'm a DJ, you know, music DJ by, by, by love and by heart. I didn't know that this was a remake from Leon Russell's hit, or not wasn't a hit, it was Leon Russell's song on the B-sides of his top hit um, that he released in 1972 because Tightrope was his, was his song that really kind of put Leon Russell out there. But on the B-side of that album was Masquerade. And I went back, I wanted to hear what that song sounded like. And it sounds nothing like George Benson's rendition of it. Because to me, the lyrics are phenomenal. So Leon Russell killed it. But the presentation, the way George Benson did it, it's just it was just everything for me. The lyrics of the, the lyrics of the song are this. Are we really happy here in this lonely game we play? Looking for the words to say, searching but not finding, understanding anyway. We're lost in a masquerade. Both afraid to say we're just too far away. From being close together from the start, we tried to talk it over, but the words got in the way. We're lost in this lonely game we play. The thoughts of leaving disappear every time I see your eyes, no matter how hard I try to understand the reasons why. We carry on this way. We're lost in a masquerade. It says both were afraid to say just how far away from being close together from the start. We tried to talk it over, but our words got in the way. We're lost inside this lonely game we play. And it goes on, and, and, and George Benson really kind of works that thing over and over. And for those of you who, who, are, who are fans of George Benson, you, you understand, you probably really rocked to the whole eight minutes and three seconds of that song on his Breezin' album when he released it. And maybe you've heard maybe the, the best of George Benson or somewhere you were out. And those of you who were fortunate enough to have heard him perform that live, oh man, I can only imagine what that would have been like. But how that song evokes such a passion about this young couple who were just in a masquerade, they were lying to each other and they, they were just too jacked up to leave each other, but just too jacked up to stay as well. So they were stuck and they were lost. And, and that's how we are so often in relationships with people. 
And, the, and what, let's get to the truth. It's not really with the relationships with people that we're jacked up with and, and want to have these masquerade, this mask on. It's really the, in the relationship with ourselves. We're, we're so jacked up in a way that, that we don't really want to tell the truth. We don't want to turn that mirror right back on ourselves so we can really see what we look and feel like on the inside. Because we know what we feel and look like on the inside. But we, and so often, we just don't want to look at it. We don't really like what that feels like. Okay, Lord, we're going to go there. I was hoping to save this story for later in the show. So, Lord, you know, Lord, you got the will. I, I, don't, I don't even know where we're going right now. I'm so off script, so off book right now. We're not going to even worry about it. So, so here we go. Masquerade not only was a great song, it was also a play written by a great artisan and author and uh, Joanne Hoy, another good friend of mine. I had the pleasure of being the sound man for that, that play production. And I was able to watch each of the characters that she had from the same f frame of thought wore a mask and they were portraying another image. They were trying to be something in this play production of what they wanted other people to believe who they were. But, but, like, but like I started off the show saying that there's at least four different situations where we would show a variety of faces. So, I mean, it's just like different clothes we wear, different undergarments we wear, different shoes we wear. We may have multiple pair of shoes that we may wear on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But the truth is there's only four different situations where we really show these different faces where we may wear these masks, where we may wear these outfits, so to speak, over our face to disguise who we are. One of the faces is the face that we think we're showing other people. And, and, and again, for some of us, it, it could take it could go on two different ways. There's, there's two different ways to really describe them, two different ways to really take that off. When I, when I show people how I'm doing, really, I'm either going to show you the truth. And in some cases, people don't know, haven't even really invested because we don't really invest in our friendships a lot. And, 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 I, and I'm really on this thing right now because I lost a person that I used to serve with. Okay, so you realize I didn't say I lost a friend of mine. Okay, I lost a person that I used to serve with, <clears throat> chair by chair, arm by arm, elbow to elbow with. He took his life 14 days ago. And I take it personally because I didn't do, I don't think I did enough to reach out to that person. I don't think I did enough to ask him how he was doing. I don't know if I did enough. Now, now granted, we all have our own lives and I, and I get it, we all have our own things that we're doing and, and places that we need to go and people, places and things. I get it, we, gotta, like, we all have our own nouns that we have to deal with. But the reality is when we're dealing, especially if we're serving in ministry side by side with people, we, we, we have an obligation to get involved in their lives and, and, and try to make that, that, that connection with them, try to make that community with them, to really forge an, uh, uh, some type of alliance or friendship to ask them with sincerity and waiting for the genuine answer where you invest in that friendship, where you make them feel like you're, they're safe to talk with you and vice versa. You, you nurture those relationships with the, those Timothys and those Pauls to, to, to speak into their life and they return speaking to you. You set the groundwork to, to let you know that, let them know that they're safe here, that they can listen to you here, they can be heard here. So that when they get to the point where they don't think they have any hope or any faith left or those moments when we think we don't have any hope or any faith left, we can really show that real face. But so often we show the fake face of, oh, I'm all good. 
So no one will bother me. I don't want anybody to really know how much I'm hurting on the inside. Now, okay, granted, there's a, there's a good way to do that. and a bad way to do that. So I, I, I've done that before where I, I had to come to the point where I knew that God was going to do so much for me. He hadn't done it yet. But if I kept believing and if I kept keeping my faith solid, if I kept moving forward and not wearing sackcloth and ashes every day and, and continue to get up and show who God was and show my faith and belief that it was going to happen and, and speak those things that aren't as though they were. I was working through that scripture. I wanted to live that scripture out. So it gave people the false impression that everything in the household of a widower with five raising five sons all by himself, who later lost his job, later lost his house, that everything was okay. So how, how someone could think that everything was, was okay with a person with my pedigree I really don't understand how that was or how it was possible. Because how could it be okay? I lost my wife. I'm raising five boys by myself. Now, granted, there was people who definitely were, were, were coming in right on the time the Lord sent them to be there. And I thank every single one of them that, that helped us and who still are helping us. But when I closed that door, because see, I, I, I know I've shared before on the show that while, she, while Sandy was sick, it got really, really noisy. There was a lot of help coming along that way. But the weeks that drew on after she died, after she was gone, man, it was quiet. Silence. So I, I stopped showing that face of being sad. I didn't want to show that sad face because if you decide to take the flip side and show the sad face, I'm down all the time. It also can do the same thing for you. It will draw some people towards you who really want to help and who are more sincere, who really understand, okay, fine. They, they really do need some help. But then again, there are some moments when people really kind of get tired of that same sad song. People get, same, get really tired of hearing that same widow guy perspective. The same, the, there's people out there who really kind of get tired of watching your kids. I, I remember I, I, I asked this person one time, before, and before I could even get the could you watch out of my mouth, there was, nope, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I, I'm, I'm not going to be here. And I said, wait a minute, I hadn't even got the words out of my mouth yet to ask you what I was going to ask you. But you're already telling me no. I said, you know what? That's cool. I'm, I'm so good with that. I'll never ask you for another thing. Because if you don't want to take the time and invest in it and listen to it because you're, you're tired of the sad song, you're, in both cases, you can, wind, you can find yourself like I was all alone. So that's the one face. It's the face that we think we're portraying. The second face is the face of the, of the interpretation of, how, with, of the face that we're showing from other people. So people are interpreting the face that we're seeing based on their relationship with us, based on their past knowledge of us, and the basis of really on how they're feeling right now dealing with their own stuff. So people, when they see the face that you're portraying, and in so many cases, people are really have a tendency to read the exact opposite of where you are with how you're feeling because they're trying to, sometimes they're not even spending any thought behind really where you are with this thing. If they see you smiling and happy and say, how are you doing? They're going to go, okay, he must be great based on your response because they're really not looking for the response in so many cases and they're keeping it pushing because they may be wrestling with their own problems. Debt, job, divorce, sickness, Children, you name it. Folks are struggling. But if we don't in invest the time to pull their mask back, after we pull our mask and see, show them, hey, I got one on too. 
I'm going to put mine down. It's safe for you to put yours down. So that's two faces. It's the faces that we show, and they come in different flavors, different situations based on the people we deal with. We're going to show a different face to the people that we love. We're going to show a different people that we hate. We're going to show a different face to the people that we work with. We're going to show a different face to the people based on how we feel at that moment. Kids, teachers, your boss, you name it. Relatives, family, the milkman, the exterminator, all of them, they're going to get a different face. The third face you're going to get is, of course, the face that you are hiding. The face you already know. Yeah. That face. And that's very closely aligned, but yet opposite, though. 180 degrees out, so many cases, with the face that the Lord sees in you. Because the Lord's always going to see that face of goodness in you. He's, he, the Lord knows that we're doing dirt. There's, there's, no two, there's no two ways about the fact that the Lord doesn't know. He knows all. He sees all. He's, he was there with us while we were doing the dirt. Well, uh, well, of course, unless he's let you continuously do that dirt unrepentantly or from out of a place of, you know, just raw emotion and vigor. And if he's turned you over to yourself, then I'm sorry, you're going to be there by himself. But, but you don't want to kind of get quibbling with the scripture that he's, you know, there in the lowest of low places and the darkest of dark. He's there in the highest of heights. He's there all the time. Okay, we can debate that scripture all you want because you know he's omnipresent. If he created you, yes. But if your, his spirit doesn't live inside of you, he's not going to be there. That's another debate for another day, another topic. It's not today's show, but the masquerade is there. So I, people like myself who found themselves in that killer moment, well, you don't like that face that you have. Because even the face that we're showing the people isn't the one we really, really want to show. When my, when my wife first died, I've shared before that I didn't even want to come out of the house for almost 10 months. Because I didn't want anybody to see me on a bad day. I didn't want, any, I didn't want anyone to see me not smiling. I didn't want anybody to see me hurting and give me that pity face, give me those pity eyes. Because I was already getting those anyway. So I had my mask on. And I'm trying to get people to understand that, that it's not just you that has the face and the mask. We all do, and that we need to make sure we understand what about those masks that the Lord wants us to pull up? What, what about those masks that we're wearing is a bad thing? What about those masks that, that are in there? All right, we gotta go, gotta go. This is Craig Carlisle, and you listen to the Raising Men Show right here on WKBY 1080 AM out of Chatham, Virginia. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey everyone, my name is Eric Tomlinson with the Tomlinson Group at Rancon Real Estate, where we design the sale of your home around you. With our nationwide network of agents, you and your family are at the center of every decision, conversation, and step of the journey to your next home. From hello to congratulations, selling your home with the Tomlinson Group at Rancon Real Estate is designed to both learn and surpass your expectations. Call me today at 951-970-6727 so we at the Tomlinson Group can begin surpassing your expectations today. We want to work for you. How do you avoid pitfalls that will disrupt your life? My office is very good with helping families protecting assets, building wealth, college flexible plans, tax-free retirement, and so much more. I am John Treese Wells with World Financial Group, licensed to help million dollar families, businesses, and everyone in between. You can contact me at 951-757-4202 or email me at jw.nofamilyleftbehind at gmail.com. 
I'm about your family. And we're right back here with the Raising Men Show. And again, I'm your host, Craig Carlisle. I know I kind of got started to step in quickly through this thing, but I'm trying to pack a whole lot in a short amount of time today. Where we are today in week nine of Teachable Moments, Masquerade Ball. We've been talking already in the first segment about the four faces that we're showing people. It's the, and it's based on different situations, depending on the people we're coming across, depending on the places we have to go, the things that we have to do. So it's based on the nouns, the people, the places, the things that we have to do. We're going to show a different face, depending on the attitude, depending on where we're going, the teacher, the, the preacher, the, the sandwich eater. I mean, you, you've got you've to gotta really get there with what you're really doing, because then the truth of the matter is we may say, oh, this that sort of person has got so many faces. They're so two-faced. They're, they're this and that, when the reality is we're really the same way. We're really that one that's doing the same exact thing. Now, I'm not saying that we can be so open, raw, and honest with everyone, right? Because not everyone wants to be, not everyone's supposed to be there in our, in our lives. We need to understand and be discerning and ask the Lord, you know, what is the role a person has in our life? What, what are you supposed to do here? And then be okay with the answer that the Lord provides. Because if this is a season that you're supposed to be by yourself, then it's, then it's the season that you're supposed to be by yourself. If it's the season that you're supposed to be in community, then it's the season that you're supposed to be in community. I, I get it. But the problem is we need to make sure we're walking in this thing and we take what the Lord's saying to us for value, not for granted. Because I believe it was last week or the week before we talked about, do we believe in God for the factual evidence that there is a God or do we believe God? Do we believe what he, what he says? So, until we really work out that question, you really can't expand your relationship with Christ. You really can't take your mask off until you really understand that, yes, God, I know who you are. Yes, God, I know I have these issues. Well, maybe that's the problem. Some of us don't think we have any issues. Some people think, well, maybe my issues are different. You don't understand me. That I just need to, to be who I am. And then, and then the truth is you find out more about yourself in tragedy. I found out more about myself in tragedy. And failure than any moment in my life. In the book I'm writing, Catch My Breath, Learning to Live Through Life's uh, Letdowns, I had to, the Lord has given me the, 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 the example that the enemy, yes, he's prowling around like a lion trying to see who he can destroy and devour. Depending on, depending on the translation is where you're getting with that one. And the, and the enemy's just going to kind of keep hitting you and probing you and, and punching you and, and just really keep trying to knock you in these areas all over your body and all over your spirit and all over your mind and all over your emotions to make you respond. And, some, and, and far too often we seem to think that we, we know it all and we got this thing on lock and we just, we have it all written down. We have it, we can write a book about it. We got to the whole t-shirt and everything and who needs, you know, who are we to need any help or to think we even need God when we're hurting and then we have a few letdowns, a few failures. We kind of take that out. Like, oh, no problem. I got that. And so it's okay. I didn't get that job. Or that's okay. My car got hit. Or that's okay. They, they broke into my truck or my house. And that's okay. My tire got slashed. That's okay. You know, I, I, I didn't, I did I spilled my glass of water or so-and-so spilled some coffee on me. That's okay. That's okay. She doesn't like me the way I like her. That's okay. He doesn't like me the way I like him. That's, a, that's okay. You know, I don't, I don't have the likes. <clears throat> on, the, on my post like like so many other people do but that's okay I don't have you know 20 million followers like a lot of people that's okay we allow those failures to go by and go by and accept them as happenstance or random occurrences or secret little twists of fate or 
stranger things. When in reality, those are all opportunities that the enemy is trying to get our attention. He's trying to, to hit us to the point where he gets that soft spot where it causes us to lose our breath. <clears throat> we find that he finds those moments, those places, those situations in those relationships that make you just double over. So mine was the fact when I lost my mother, my mother-in-law, my wife, all in a relatively short amount of time. It wasn't a great number of years. I think there was like seven years between my mother and my mother-in-law. But it wasn't that many more years between, wasn't total, a lot of years between my wife and my mother-in-law. And then my wife and my job. Then my job and my house. During those times, you sprinkle in some lost relationships. Those those got my attention. It caused me to lose my breath. It caused me to learn a lot about myself. See, my mother was a connector. My mother, my mother-in-law was a connector. My wife was a connector. Okay, what are those kind of people? Those are the kind of people that connect people together, situations together. They're, they're the kind of people that are in your lives trying to be that mentor, trying to be that person to make sure that they're con- trying to keep you off the edge of the road. They're trying to keep you in the center, on the straight and narrow, so to speak. That They're the type of people that are always having the parties. So anyone that know that knew my late wife, you know, Sandy, she, you, you knew she was a party planner. And so between her and our other good family friend, Dewana McCarty, man, I tell you, Public announcement, public, <laughs> public announcement right now. They say public service announcement. You ain't had a party to you have been experienced a McCarty party. Man, between Dewana and Sandy, man, those folks could throw on a spread for the ages. Ooh, that's bringing me back to the, when I used to DJ for them too. We used to have Dewana through this white party. We were all got to test dress in white and just, she had it at this big arena. Well, not arena, it was a big big winery that had a big room. She, it was all gathered and integrated together. We had a great time. Since that time, we haven't had excuses. Dewana's a connector. When I found in my life that I lost three connectors in short order and didn't replace them, and I, I'm, I'm not a connector. I, I'm not. I just, that's not my role. Now, at some, I have to keep my family connected. Yes, yeah, so that's probably where my focus is. Maybe if I didn't have you know kids to be connected with then. Maybe so, maybe I wouldn't be so far up. But right now, my focus is keeping these kids connected. And my focus is trying to keep myself connected with the, with the Lord to lead me and guide me along that narrow way. But I'm just trying to tell you, during the time I lost those key pieces of my life, I found a lot, that a lot about myself. I found that I didn't like who I had become. I didn't like the fact that I wasn't as confident of a person anymore. Because when you're talking about being, you know, 41 years old, 43 years old, 50 years old by yourself. Yeah, I understand people say, you know, we can, we can make sexy look right at any age. So yeah, there's there's 50 and sexy. I get it. There's handsome at 50. There's, I get it. But when, you, when you're out there trying to figure it out again at 50, at 41, at 43, at, heck, you're really trying to figure it out when you're 20-something at some rate, 30-something, when you're trying to figure it out after you've been married, after you've forsaken all others and held your vows intact, and then you have to be able to figure out who you are anyway after the person leaves you, either voluntarily by taking their own life or dying because it was their turn for the Lord to take them from here. You have to be able to understand where you are and be confident enough in the Lord to say, hey, 
I get it. I'm sad as all get out right now, but I know the Lord is going to, I can trust you, Lord, with, with my heart because you gave me the heart and that yet it was broken. I don't want to, I so much want to say, but you broke my heart, but I can't say that because the Lord didn't do that. The Lord's plan is what his plan was. And I've had some, some interesting conversation. Again, this is not going to be a, a topic for today's show, but I'm going to, I'm just going to drop it in here because it, it may, it have to be. Yeah, I got I to talk to Pastor Larry because we, we, we got to talk about this thing. I, I need some godly counsel. So if you're listening out there, Pastor Larry, I, I need some counsel on this one. When a person takes their life, I know we have free will. And, and I know we are have the mind of Christ. And I know we are co-laborers with Christ. And I understand that. We, I understand all that. But I know the Lord has given us a certain amount of days and times upon the land that the Lord is, God has given us. I get all that. But if the Lord's days was, was set at a certain time and then... A person, we decided, someone decides to take their own life and, and they shorten it time. Did they shorten it? Or was that death day still the appropriate hour that they were supposed to die, but just the means by which they died, the circumstances by which they died, was that just different? So I, I get it when we have mass shootings. I, I get it when we have um, other supersized tragedies and plane crashes and someone dies in a car accident or bombings. I get it. I don't like it. It's not something I get from the standpoint that I, I'm condoning it or endorsing it. I'm just saying that no matter how tragic certain deaths are, again, I'm still confused on the whole taking of your life and, you know, does the person make it to heaven or not? I, I, I don't know. That's a whole different thing. But I, have, I just need to understand that the, the time the Lord gave is how he gave. And so the circumstances behind the death is, is the circumstance. And we can't get caught up in the tragedy of the circumstance. We need to, to step back and go, okay, fine. There may be a certain person that caused, that was the catalyst for that event. But it doesn't mean that they were the cause of the event. That, that day was already appointed. Except for these ones over here on the side of the suicide. I need to, I need to understand that one. Okay, so I'm not going to get stuck this. We're going to, we're going to. We're going to try to unpack that one, dig on that one, and other points. But then again, I saw, like I said, Pastor Larry, some other people, ministers, you know, Chatham, I really could use your help with that one. Maybe, maybe that's a show topic that we, where we get together and we, and we wrestle through that thing of suicide and we really talk about it because suicide is on the rise. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. You can, it, suicide is going to touch somebody so close to you till it comes inside your home and sits down and has a drink with you. And if you're not paying attention to the fact of when he sits there and, and giving it any kind of presence, you better wake up and realize that this thing is no game. That there's, living this life that we're in right now is not a game. People are, are, are hurting right now, dealing with matters of the heart, dealing with matters of their mind, dealing with just depression. And it's a spirit. Death is a spirit. I, I, okay, I know the people at the writer's conference told me we're not supposed to be getting super deep and then and, and, and causing people to really have to think a lot. And I, I know the publishers out there, if y'all are listening to my show, I know y'all not going to want to publish my book because I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I can't, I can't just give you the watered down stuff. I got it. I got, that's why my lactose intolerance, uh, lactose intolerant um, social media platforms have just got 2000 likes after almost six years because I, I can't give you that milky stuff. I, I, I got to give you the, the word that the Lord gives you. I got to give you that that meat that you got to that you got to chew on, that you got to be like the word says, remediate. You got you to chew on it and then spit it out and then 
put it back in your mouth and chew on it again to get some more out of it and put it down in your stomach and then bring it back up and then chew on it again because the word of God is rich. It's The word of God is not just a passing, oh, by the way, we read the scripture, you know, John 3, 16, and we were out the door. We, we, we gave our offering and we left. We I served at the usher bird and, and, I, and I, was, I was a deacon and I sat in the church or I was out in the parking lot ministry, you know, parking, prophet lion and everything. I, I, I can then go on my way. No, that's... That's not what this thing is all about. Where folks are in our church, pastors on the pulpit, husbands, wives, children killing themselves at the house in their businesses. But yet we're saying we, we do all of these things, raising all this money, trying to be, trying to be, or give the impression of being effective. But what are we really doing? The issues, even when I was talking to Michelle before, she asked me, why, why are you so agitated right now with, with, with this whole topic of the suicide? Why, why, what's got your grief so stirred up? And, it's, and I had to be real with her. Is that this, the suicide of this, this man is really giving me a hard time because raising men is supposed to be a community group that gives men hope. That I'm supposed to be trying to use my, my, my situation, my, my testimony, my platform to be able to, to give people the opportunity to think that the Lord is real, to show people Christ, is to show people if you just don't give up, if you just keep moving, life's going to get better. It, it may not look better, right? It may look crazy. That's why we live by faith, or, or depending on what translation you're, you're, you know, you're trying to read, you say we walk by faith. But if you if you even peel back the walk, the walk is that how you walk out the life you live, how you how you walk before Christ, how you live your life before Christ. We though you live by faith and not by sight, because we could look at our life right now and life could straight up be crazy. Wife leaving me, kids sick, I'm sick, tax man coming after you, trying to take the house and take, take the car broke down, the headlights don't work, down. the kids need shoes and socks and underwear and food and whatever, I got to find a job, something, all of these things are crazy. But if you close your eyes and you you listen to the spirit and you discern, God, where are you in all of this situation? Where are you in my in, in me as a person? What, what makes me inside not be the person who... You want me to be. What are the parts in what is not what is in me that is not like you that shouldn't be in me? Where should I be, God, in, in your plan and in, in your way? How how can I get to where you need me to be? How can I become the person that you thought I was gonna be, that you wanted me to be when you created me way before you created me? When you created that plan that I was going to be in eons before you created me, you knew exactly what I was going to do and fit in that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the one I want to get to. I, I need to be able to get there before I'm 80 talking about, oh, yeah, Lord, I finally got it. I, I don't want another 30 years to go figure this thing out and wander in the wilderness. I, I, I know the Egyptians walked and they, their shoes and their sandals didn't even, their sandals didn't even wear out really. And, and they, they carried all their possessions until they could get in the promised land for 40 years trying to make a 12 mile hike. Or, well, depending on how you do the math, depending on how the distance was, but basically somewhere between, you know, 10 and 15 miles as far as they want to go, but take you 40 years to get there. I'm on this thing 50 years right now. I've been without my wife going on seven or in seven years. Seven is a, is a, is a great prophetic number. So 
I need to get the lesson learned out of this thing. So when I get to the year eight, that I'm on my way to moving on, I can't miss the blessings in seven, calling out the mysteries in eight. I need to get out of seven with seven, God. You got to get out of each year that you're in this day, each hour, each moment that you've got right now, not calling on the next. You got to call on the now and cherish the now. My aunt Louise and I were talking. And we were dealing with people talking about harvest and farmland and everybody talking about we want to, they want to harvest. Let the harvest come, Lord. Let the harvest come. Bring down the harvest. Bring down the harvest. But I don't think, you know, but in this modern society, we never forgot what it was to actually plant and grow. Those of you who know anything about planting, and those who don't, because go Google it, right? And they're not even a sponsor of the show. Look it up. You can't just take some dirt from out of nowhere. Because if you take the dirt in most of our backyards and side of Muddy Road, those those dirts aren't any good. That's got junk in it. That that's that's fallow ground. That's that ground is useless. It's not going to produce any life. It doesn't sustain any life. It may give you an occasional weed or two, but even the weeds have struggles in some cases. You got to give the soil something good to work with. You you got to be able to dig out the bad soil and pull it back. You got to be able to bring in some good soil, some some vitamin rich soil. You got to be able to to till the ground. You got to be able to prepare the land. You got to be able to to put some work in. You got to be able to look at yourself and understand who am I now anyway, Lord? I, I want my blessing, Lord. I want to be the husband I'm supposed to be in to make me the husband I'm supposed to be in advance for the wife to come for the women out there trying to be the Proverbs 31 woman now. So when the husband, the Lord sends your husband to come, and in some cases, the Lord has to create your husband. So when you get to the same point in life, he can meet you at this important hour. For me, the Lord created me a wife, and okay, now she's gone. So will the Lord create me another one? I have to be able to trust the Lord enough and love him enough to understand that, yes, that is a possibility if I believe. So if you don't love the Lord enough and believe in him and to believe the words that he says, He's not going to bring you nothing. Because if we don't believe, what ends up happening is we make these empty promises, empty requests to the Lord that just really go up to the ceiling and come back down to ourselves. It's just like you're sitting, okay, like a scripture says, like a sounding gong or some clanging brass. I don't want to be that way. I want to be that one that when the Lord hears my cry, Lord, I, I, I really want this right now. I really want to be like you. I, I really want to get to the next level. And, and, and when you make those promises, those statements to the Lord from a, from a sincere place, you have to be ready for what the answer is going to be. You have to be ready for the trial. You tell the Lord, Lord, I'm ready for my wife to come. I'm ready for the next level in ministry. I'm ready. The Lord says, okay, here it comes. So he don't understand that to be ready for the next level in ministry or ready for that spouse to come, you've got to go through some, some things. You've got to be able to mature. You've got to be able to, to kind of grow up. And, and be able to stand up straight and, and be able to deal with some problems that you have and, and, and kind of get some message you got kind of dealt with and, and off to the side and, and, and kind of get up off your bed and stop crying all the time. And, 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 and some of us need to cry some more because you haven't cried in probably 15, 20 years. And that you need to deal with that as well because you can't expect to love somebody if you don't love yourself. And if you're not feeling any emotion along the way, how are you going to tell some woman that you love her? And actually feel what that means. Because in the English language, the, the words we have don't really have the emotion that are attached to it. I could tell you I love you 14 different ways. Well, technically it's only three or four different ways. But you get to the Greek and the Hebrew, right? But but when I tell you I love you, it's the same word. You have to really look at my actions and my demeanor and then maybe the tone or inflection I say it. But you still can be left lacking, right? 
and heaven forbid you look in my eyes and am I glassy or do I got the hangover look? Oh, baby, I love you. Oh, I love this beer. I love you, baby. I love you. I love that smoke. You know, don't that crack. I know that weed. I, oh, yeah. I love that thing. And at the same time, we said, Lord, Lord, I love you. In some cases, we're coming out of the same bed and can and, and drug house that we were coming in the church. And I, and I get it that, that, that we're supposed to come as we are. I, I get it. But. And I'm not taking anything, you know, throwing stones at anybody that may be in the situation trying to get right. But some of us ain't getting right. Because some of us up in the pulpit who just came out from the club, some of us came out from the drink. And I say drink, I said drink. That's D-R-A-N-K, not in the past tense. Because some of us are drinking more in the communion wine at home than we are at the church. So let me stop. Sorry, not, again, I'm not trying to be the shock jock of Christian talk radio. I'm just trying to tell you what the Lord told me to say. So, if you have anything that you're offended by that I may have said, then you need to take it up God, not me. Because if if, if, I've, if the Lord has, if the Lord has caused you to hear certain things that are that I've said that relate to you, come on, Chatham, come on, those who listen to the Raising Men Show and the RaisingMenShow.com and all of our affiliate markets out there, I I I I don't know your stories. I know I I know my story. I know what it was to be in the club called the ministry down in San Diego to two, three, four o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning. I know what it was like rolling in Dallas and with my boy Rod Crowder and coming out of these clubs at night. I know what it was to go to rehearsal the next day and go to church the same day in the same clothes I had in the club. But the Lord saved me. And so, yeah, you can say, Lord, see, look what the Lord did for you. But the bottom line is that you can't wait till a tragedy hits you to get right. you got to get right now. So I'm, I'm thankful the Lord allowed me to get right. So this is the point where I'm here with you. Week 9, teachable moments. We're talking about masquerade ball. I want you to help you get these masks off your face and live a true life according to the Lord of God, to the will of God. We're going to be right back and with our last break of this segment. We're going to talk more about how to get right. You're listening to the Craig Carlisle Show, and I'm, and I'm sorry, the Raising Men Show, and I'm your host, Craig Carlisle, and we'll be right back. Who you hire as your realtor matters. You need a realtor who looks out for your best interests and not their own. Marie Clark with Allison James Estates is a full-time realtor, specializing in helping first-time homebuyers in Temecula and the surrounding areas. She is also a ministry leader. Today, why don't you choose Marie Clark to buy or sell your next home? Please call 951 265 6259. This is Craig Carlisle, the host of The Raising Men Show, and I'm also an executive producer of the independent feature film Restored Me. It's a powerful, feel-good dramedy that centers around a young man trying to restore his relationship with his young daughter and her mother after his wrongful incarceration. This film speaks to restoring your faith and pushes a bold message of positivity and motivation. The cast includes Gary Owen, Bill Duke, Will Young Lee, Matt Gerald, Richard T. Jones, Malik Yovo, Yancey Arias, and Bo Casper Smart, just to name a few. Restore Me is available on over 100 digital markets, including iTunes, Amazon, and on demand from your local cable provider. Buy it, rent it. Either way, I'm asking you to watch it. It'll bless your life. All right, I and mean, we're back. Last segment, final 12 minutes of the show. I appreciate you all rolling with me this whole this time. We're in week nine, teachable moments. We're talking about, um, oh my goodness, we're talking about uh, masquerade ball. Excuse me, thank you. I'm just, I had, the, I had this moment in my brain right now thinking, was this week 10? 
and if it is, if I misquoted it, I'll forgive me, blame it on my head, not my heart. But either way, we're in this thing right now. This chapter, this week that we're on right now, masquerade ball. We're talking about the four different situations, four different types of faces that we're going to show people. And and we, I'm going to share an example right now about when you look at the face, of course, where we've talked about the face that we show people. So before I give the example, we're talking about the face that we show people, which is really what we want people to think about us. We want, we really want people to kind of know for the moment or not know which, where we really are and to kind of keep, either keep people at arm's length or to really kind of invite people into our hearts or into our situation anyway for the, for the comfort or care. The second face is the face that people see. And it's, it obviously can be different from the face that we think we're portraying. The third face is that, I'll go this way. The, th- the third face is the face that we really have. That one that's long, tear-stained, wrinkled, cut up, spit upon, lied upon, cheated on, abandoned, afraid, not confident, not self-assured, that one. Then that fourth face is the one that the Lord sees, how he sees us through his eyes. That third face of how I saw myself I had come to a point where after my wife died, I had suffered enough loss that I began to come in agreement with it. I began to think that it was my fault that she had died. And it may be in some way that it was my fault that my you know, mother or mother-in-law died. And maybe I wasn't a good son. Maybe I wasn't a good enough son-in-law. Maybe I wasn't a good enough person. Maybe I wasn't a good enough father. Maybe I wasn't a good enough person to, to live. Maybe I wasn't a good enough anybody to do anything worthwhile, worth saving. And, and, then, and then when you lose your job and then when you lose your house, you kind of, for me, I became very sad and very depressed. I, I got to the point where I had become ashamed of who I was. I became ashamed of the situation, became embarrassed because, you know, I, I'm one of the people, I have a college degree. Yeah, okay, fine. I have a degree in electrical engineering. So people say, yeah, you're a rocket scientist. Yeah, math was my thing. Yeah, that's that's... It's the truth. I allowed, I allowed myself to be defined by stuff. I allowed myself to be defined by the nouns, by the people that were in my life. My mom, my mother-in-law, my wife, heck, even my dad. I'd allow myself to be de- defined by the things that I had, the house, which I thought was going to be my forever retirement house the car that I drove, the money that I had, the film that we made, the cars I drove, the kids I had, and how well they were doing, those, those, those people and things. Let myself be defined by the places we went. But when you really, but when you're taken away, when the scripture shows you that you've, <laughs> when the scripture said I've learned to have much, and I learned to have little. The Lord's going to, and when you, when you give yourself to the Lord and you, when you really allow him to move in your life, he's going to show you <laughs> what it means to really have and to have not. Because you can't, you can't minister to someone and then have a good, good understanding of what certain scriptures really mean until you've lived them. I mean, I can stand up on a bullet all day long and say, you know, 
and scream and shout John 3.16. Yeah, and, and recite it all the time. It's part of some catechism verse and whatever, some scripture from some class or Sunday school course. You know, yeah, but it's for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that he whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I get it. You can learn that and rattle it off at will. John 3.16, say it, go. And, and you can say it. I'm sure even as I've said it or if I said it again, if I pause long enough, I could probably listen out there. You guys are saying it right with for those who know it. But do you really know what it means? Have you lived it to the point? Have you have you raised a child to understand? Have you, have you lost a child? Oh, my gosh. I haven't lost a child. I lost a spouse. Okay, that's, that's different. <laughs> but when you talk about for God so loved the world, and the world definition there is us. We're not talking about the, the sphere itself, the planet. Talking about the, the world as it as it encompasses the people, the, the body of Christ, that world, us, me, you. He loved us, but he gave his only begotten son. And I was like, that's serious. I had my, my youngest four, and I, we were driving, we're coming from getting haircuts, and you know, shout out to foot to Lloyd Taylor, Taylor Cuts. He's uh, he's actually our certified barber on the, the show and right now because we moved we were with uh Laron at you know and Laron's cuts over there at um, Rico's barbecue barbecue oh my gosh on Rico's barbecue Rico's barbershop in Marietta shout out to Laron how you doing brother for many years he took care of our kids heads but now we live in a different area we can't get up to see Laron so the Lord has had actually placed Taylor Lloyd Taylor in our lives from previous years man he was a, one of these young kids that back in the day was a young kid but we used to try to run after him and chase him down because we always knew he was a leader. But that cat wanted to do whatever he wanted to do, how he wanted to do it, and didn't think he needed anybody to tell him anything other than that. But now here we are, almost 20 years later, have an opportunity again to be reconnected with him and, and be a part of his life and so into his ministry again and so in his opportunity on his barbershop. So for the years that we were able to so into Laurent's ministry, Laurent's life, Laurent's shop, and even the other barbers we've gone to in Temecula, I can probably call them all out too, but we're here. It's an opportunity now we have to sow. We have to go. We were coming back from the barbershop and we're listening to a song by Kurt Franklin. Since we went to the Kurt Franklin concert, the Lord blessed us to be able to hear and see Kirk minister in person it was life-changing for us it was every, it was everything as a parent to be able to take my kids to see that i had not i, I was said so i was so close and i get out i'm gonna i'm gonna finish the point so i'm gonna start rambling and reel this thing back in but i almost didn't go but see here's, this is how being obedient is, is better than sacrifice that scripture you have to live some to understand what the scriptures mean and i get it now where some of the old women of the church old men of the church used to tell me that you don't know nothing now you may not know right now but keep on living and now, yeah, yeah, so I had a little bit more mileage. I got a lot more life behind me. I get it. My, my son, Ryan, was behind me, and we were listening to him in a Kirk song, and as a song when he was, you know, off of the newer album, and he was talking about how um, we were unworthy, so unworthy, oh, unworthy. And, and, and he was, you know, really that song of lament and really, you know, going in and being a song of thankfulness and holiness to the Lord as a worship song. And so Ryan, so he piped up, says, and Ryan will hold his tongue, so he piped up and because tact is not, it's not a strong point. So he says, hey, Dad, I don't understand that lyrics. Those lyrics don't make any sense, Dad. And you talk about how we're so unworthy and so unworthy that about God not saving us. I mean, aren't we supposed to be excited and thankful that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for us to have eternal life and for those who love him? And we love him, so we should be excited and thankful 
that the Lord did, did that for us and not feel the sad that we're so unworthy. We are worthy because he gave his own son. So his son, Jesus, dying for us made us worthy. Right, Dad? Dudes. <laughs> I, I promise you, everything as a parent that I've gone through to this point related to that child was worth every tear, worth every struggle with every moment of lack of common sense, every time you didn't pay attention to pick up your trash and pick up your clothes and put deodorant on, comb your hair, brush your teeth, brush aside your head, yeah. That moment was everything. He was listening. He chose to seek God for himself and understand and hiding the word of God in your heart so, yeah. He got it. He has it. So I had to, had to then unpack that for him so he understood that the lyrics of the song were still correct. They were not incorrect. So the double negative were not incorrect. So that means that it's positive. They were correct because we had to get to the point where we understand from a, from a worship perspective, from a reverential you know, fear of God that we were so unworthy because he, for him to give his son away, his only son, for our sins. For the sins that for those who had died and for the ones that were living and for the ones yet unborn. <clears throat> we have got to get to that point where we truly understand. So this the story. I got, I've been trying to get to the same story. If you don't get a hold of this thing like Ryan got and keep living and keep believing that not just in God, but believe God, you'll miss it. I had missed it for a number of years. I got to a point where I let the Lord, let the enemy, sorry, talk to me so much that I stopped listening to the Lord believe and tell me who I was, that I stopped looking in the mirror. I was so ashamed of what I had become. I was so ashamed of being sad. I was so ashamed of being hurt. I was so ashamed of being hurt by other people. I was so ashamed of hurting myself, just so ashamed of being, being the lacking father, of being the lonely dad, and of being the lonely widower. I was so ashamed of being all these things that were so negative. And, and, and it was just a moment where I just, moments, Years had gone by and didn't know who I was anymore anyway. It was a, it was almost like a three-year case of mistaken identity where I every time I looked in the mirror, I didn't I just didn't want to look at myself. I didn't you figure, well, how do you not look at yourself when you're, you know, brushing your teeth and you know, washing your face and you know, combing and brushing your hair in the morning? How do you not look at yourself? Trust me, I had figured it out. I, I knew where my teeth I knew where my mouth was, and so I didn't have to look at my mouth to brush my teeth. I I knew where the teeth were, I, I knew where my gums were, and so I didn't need to look and see how to put the toothbrush in just right to get on the inside of the, you know, part of my lower and upper part of my teeth. You don't you don't need that. And and I, I, I cut my hair down to, you know, next to nothing. So all I gotta do is make sure there's no extra hair left over so I can look at the top of my head. I don't need to look at my face. And then when I need to shave, I'm using electric you know, clippers so I can cut. I, I had mastered it. I had every excuse in the book not to look at myself. So this went on for like three years. I wouldn't look. I could have I could have gotten dressed in the dark. In the in fact, I've done that before too because I don't need to. I wasn't looking at myself anyway. Oddly enough, the film had been either was on its way to be released or had just been released or whatever. And um, we had gone to uh, National Day of Prayer on in Washington, Washington Monument. And I was very thankful that it would, to be a part of that and I was with Harry Bryant and uh, Alan Tua, and we were there, and we were just, you know, really getting ready to really enjoy the Lord out there with so many other Christians on that event, and it was such a blessing. And we had stopped in a, um, 
in a restaurant. We were going to go to the event later. We had to make a couple stops at the airport on the way before we went to the event. And I said, hey, I got to go wash my hands. So I was like, hurry the story. So I went into the restroom real quick. And I walked past the went the mirror because I was going to use the restroom. And I, I caught some, an image caught my eye in the mirror. I didn't, I was like, well, no, nobody else was in here with me but me. So I started looking around to see if there's anyone else in the room. And there was no one. But I just didn't see the, you know, understand who the image was in the mirror. But I stepped into the mirror and there was me. I hadn't seen myself in years, three years to be exact. So for, I was at that moment when the Lord actually was showing me tangibly the face that he saw of me. And I began to touch my cheeks and just look at my myself like, wow, I didn't know who I was anymore anyway. Those are the moments we need to take and spend and ask the Lord to show us who we are in him from his eye, from his view, from his perspective. Because this is the only perspective that matters. It doesn't matter what anyone else says about you, thinks about you, or it does to you. It only matters what the Lord says. So again, remember, this is Teachable Moments, week nine of the, we're in the Raising Men show right here on WKBY 1080 AM out of Chatham, Virginia. What up, Chatham? And for those who are listening to us on our archives at theraisingmenshow.com, we thank you for continuing to follow us, continuing to post and comment about us. Let us know what you think about what we got going on right now with this whole series. I believe the Lord's got us going to 12, but we'll find out what the Lord wants us to do when we get there. But again, I believe this is week nine. If I've, if I've messed it up and it's week 10, then bless God, it's going to be what it is. It's going to be this week. It's going to be the Teachable Moments Series Week with Masquerade Ball. And again, I'm your host, Craig Carlisle. We'll be right back here with you again next Tuesday right here on WKPY 1080 AM out of Chatham, Virginia. Bless you all. See you all next time. Hey everyone, my name is Eric Tomlinson with the Tomlinson Group at Rancon Real Estate, where we design the sale of your home around you. With our nationwide network of agents, you and your family are at the center of every decision, conversation, and step of the journey to your next home. From hello to congratulations, selling your home with the Tomlinson Group at Rancon Real Estate is designed to both learn and surpass your expectations. Call me today at 951-970-6727 so we at the Tomlinson Group can begin surpassing your expectations today. We want to work for you. How do you avoid pitfalls that will disrupt your life? My office is very good with helping families protecting assets, building wealth, college flexible plans, tax-free retirement, and so much more. I am John Treese Wells with World Financial Group, licensed to help million-dollar families, businesses, and everyone in between. You can contact me at 951-757-4202 or email me at jw.nofamilyleftbehind at gmail.com. I'm about your family.